Great to be with you, and uh, welcome back from holiday, those of you returning. How many have had a great holiday? Yeah, yeah about five of you. There's a few more than the first service. I don't know what's happened to the rest of you, but uh, you're too relaxed to raise your hand, is that right? You just like, I'm so relaxed. I just. But anyway, we, um, we want to share with you this morning something that will really help you position yourself for the year. You know, we come out of holiday, it's been relaxing, but the reality has to hit that we focus on what God wants for us this year, and uh, this is another gift of a year to us. And so hopefully what we share this morning will bless you, encourage you, strengthen you. Greta's going to kick off. I'll come back. You know, God is, he's a good, good father, and he's saying many wonderful things to us for this year. One of the things is this, the promise still stands. And the scripture is Luke 1, verses 7 to 20. And if you could read that in your own time, there are riches in there. But in brief, this is the story of Zechariah the priest and his wife Elizabeth. They were the parents of John the Baptist. They were upright in God's sight. They were, they were called very old in the Bible. And they were childless because Elizabeth was barren. And we read that Zechariah was chosen by Lot to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the priest, would, when he did this, he would intercede for the people. And we read also that when the time came for the burning of the incense, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside too. So there was all this prayer going up to heaven. And in this setting, Zechariah has a powerful encounter. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar. Now we know that incense is a symbol of prayer, and the angel is standing in the very place of prayer. And he says this to Zechariah Your prayer has been heard. And that is what God wants to say to you today Your prayer has been heard. Now, we can deduce that when Zechariah and Elizabeth were much younger, they prayed earnestly for a child because the angel said, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, he'll be a joy and delight, and he then gave an amazing prophecy about John's future. But we need to know that every prayer we've lifted up, God hears, God responds, and God answers. God released to them a miracle baby. What miracle do you want God to birth in your life? Ask in prayer. Ask in prayer. Because the promises of God's word still stand. This is a powerful, powerful thing, the word of God. However, we see that Zechariah re responded with, with doubt, and then the angel said to him, you did not believe my words. And you can understand, because their prayers were seemingly unanswered for many, many years, and I think that they simply gave up. They no longer even thought about it. They'd left it behind and let it go. No matter how long you wait for the answer to come, keep believing God's word and keep in faith. Wait patiently and trustingly. 
Never give up on it. Never let it go. Never let a God dream go. Never leave a prophetic promise behind. The angel said, my words will come true at the appointed time. And the Lord says in Jeremiah, I am watching over every word I speak to you, and it will be fulfilled. This is what Father is encouraging us with today. The promise still stands. And I do sense that there are some, you face such opposition, contention, and apparent delays that you've let dreams and destinies go and you've left them behind. And the Lord is saying, it is time for dreams and destinies to live again. God wants to restore dreams and destinies in 2018. You know, what prophetic promises. Yes, thank you, Lord. He's going to, he is the restorer. You know, what prophetic promises has he given you? Hang on to them. The that he says, you know, that they will be fulfilled in his appointed time. His timing is utterly precise and perfect because his promise still stands. And 2 Corinthians 1 tells us all the promises of God are fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. It is time for dreams to be fulfilled. It is time for destinies to unfold. And I find it really interesting that God's been, since before December, been bringing to mind a word he spoke to me in 2012. It was two years into this decade we're currently in, and we got two more years to go at the other end of it before we're in 2020. And this is what I felt him say, that this decade of destiny we're in will be the most significant in the history of the world so far. And I felt Jesus say, I will release many of my people into their destiny. A great unfolding of destiny will become apparent in this time. It involves transition and shift, positioning for purpose, increased anointing and authority in that positioning. There will be learning, preparing, equipping, getting ready for what lies ahead. And God always, the greater things, greater things are yet to come. Then the suddenly of the open doors will occur and there'll be a stepping into destiny. And for some of you, it will be double doors. And I close with something God's been repeatedly saying to me these past months. The time of extraordinary grace has come. God's extraordinary grace will enable you to walk through the doors of destiny and to walk in your dreams. A great word. And uh, I believe these um, next two years are highly significant for God preparing many people, uh, positioning them uh, for what is coming in the 20s. And we're on the verge of coming into a new decade. And um, in the 2020s, I, I was sharing with Pastor Tark uh, before Christmas, I have this sense in me that uh, that decade that's coming could be one of the greatest of church history that we've ever had. And uh, so God is doing a lot of things to prepare for that. And we're going to unpack more this evening of the prophetic significance of this year and perhaps some of the things that God is doing. And, and there'll be more time for um, Holy Spirit ministry tonight. But uh, what I want to do is um, just share something with you now, a message called Running a Good Race, uh, so that we can really 
come into 2018 and uh, the years ahead that uh, uh, we can run well. Uh, we've got some copies of our book, Afterlife. We've, we bring them a couple of times a year. Um, we're getting such great feedback from this. We had uh, 750 printed in Urdu for Pakistan last year, and the evangelists gave them all away in three months. So <laughs> they, just, they just went, and we're getting great feedback from people in Pakistan that have lost loved ones or people that are, just didn't really fully understand what lies on the other side of death. So if you have somebody that's grieving the loss of someone close to them, please give them a copy of that book. It will encourage them or encourage you if you're in that situation or if you are wanting to know what's beyond death, you know, what's heaven like and all of that stuff, then this will really inspire you. So um, I'd love to give that copy away. Anyone like it? Just uh, you would. Coming at you. Well caught. Bless you. All right. Okay. So we're in a race. That's what the Bible says. Bible talks about the Christian life being a race, and uh, it's not a walk, it's not a stroll. A race by implication means there's a finish line, uh, there's a prize, and uh, it's a long race, it's a marathon, it's not a short race, and here's another year for us to get into shape, to uh, get closer to that finish line, and motivation is a really important thing when it comes to running a race. Uh, the great Kenyan long-distance runner Kip Lagat was asked why his country keeps producing so many great runners. And he replied, it's the road signs. They all say, beware of lions. <laughs> and then uh, someone else said, well, why do runners go jogging early in the morning? The answer, they want to finish before their brain figures out what they're doing. My wife goes running really early in the morning, sometimes at 5, 5.30, and she's out there, and, uh, but her brain is fully engaged. I'd just like to say that publicly, all right? Just, well, I don't know what, kind of motiva what motivates you, but fear of lions or brain disengagement, but the Bible actually has a whole lot better motivation, and here's some verses that will motivate us in running our race. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every weight and sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You say, what was the joy you were? The joy set before Jesus was lost people coming to his father, and he was the way that that would happen. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. One of the things about running a race is it's easy to grow weary, it's easy to lose heart, especially if you haven't had some answers to prayer. Maybe 2017 didn't go so well for you, uh, whatever, but listen. Bible constantly says, don't grow weary, don't lose heart, keep running the race. And there's some great keys in this uh, passage of Scripture to allow us to run a good race. One of the things is we're told to look up. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we had to look up. Uh, can we have the next slide, guys? Yeah, there it is. Keep that up because uh, look up and uh, 
Why? Because we've got this cloud of witnesses. In the Bible, the word cloud means a vast number. People talk about a plague of locusts, like a cloud coming over the land. When you, see, when you hear that word cloud in the Bible, it's a vast number of people, so many. It just looks like a big cloud. We could say crowd, but it's even bigger than a crowd. It's, it's vast. <clears throat> and so the Bible says we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Who's it talking about? Well, if you go back into Hebrews 11, the chapter just before we've read, we find it's the heroes of faith, men and women that loved the Lord, died in their faith, and now in heaven, they ran a good race on earth, they, they were people of faith, and of course that was written 2,000 years ago, so if you add another 2,000 years of history, there are now maybe hundreds of millions or even billions more believers in heaven since this was written, people who are in heaven that ran a good race, kept their faith in Jesus, and have now gone to their reward, and they form the cloud of witnesses, and maybe you've got some people in the cloud. Maybe you've lost a loved one, a family member that passed away, a son, a daughter, a parent, a grandparent, a cousin, an aunt, an uncle, a friend, a colleague, somebody close to you that you cared about. There are now in the cloud of witnesses. And it says, what are they doing? Well, they're a witness. What does that mean? It means their lives testify or witness to us. And you can read the story of their lives sometimes in history books, or you know how your friend ran well with the Lord, or that person served the Lord, and, and their life speaks to you, their life is a witness to you. There's great history books on Christians that lived, and it's an inspiring thing to read books on other believers and how they served Jesus. But I, and that's one meaning, but I believe another part of the meaning is that they are a cloud of witnesses that are witnessing from heaven what is happening on earth. I don't believe that God allows them to be omniscient like him where he, they know everything like God does. I, I don't think that they see every detail. They don't know. But I think the Lord allows the cloud of witnesses in heaven to glimpse how the church on earth is doing. He allows them to glimpse how you and I are running our race. Doesn't mean they get to know all our secrets or anything like that. They're not like God, but he allows them just enough of a glimpse to know that's how the church is going on earth right now. And they're mightily interested in our race. I remember um, some months after my first wife, Jane, died, this is about 10 years ago now, feeling really low one day and because uh, of the grief of loss and everything. And so I spent quite a bit of time speaking in tongues, maybe 10, 20 minutes, I can't remember, but it's quite a lengthy time speaking in tongues, because the Bible says if you speak in tongues, you edify yourself, and, uh, and if you don't speak in tongues yet, you need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and get to a class or get someone to pray for you in home group and seek to be filled with the Spirit and speak in other tongues, because it's a powerful gift of supernatural prayer and praise unto the Lord. And that's what I was doing. And after that time, I started to feel encouraged and edified. And then at the end of it, the Lord gave me a vision. And in the vision, I was standing in heaven and I was looking at the throne of the Father. And he was sitting on his throne, glorious, like I could see a form, but it was like bright light. And next to him on my left, but on his right, Jesus was sitting on his throne. This is Father and Son ruling over heaven, ruling over earth. And then I turned and behind me and standing... Be 
before the throne of God was this vast multitude of people, obviously people that had died in their faith, gone to be with the Lord. There was hundreds of millions. I couldn't, I don't even know the number, maybe billions. It was just a vast cloud of people, and they were shouting at me. And in the vision, this is what I heard them say. Trust the Lord. Be strong. Be courageous. The Lord loves you. Have faith. Finish the race. Keep your eye on the prize. And they were shouting this encouragement out to me, and it was just like going in like arrows of truth. And then the vision ended, and I thought, wow. And I was so inspired and so encouraged. And by the way, if that makes me sound spiritual, can I just point out this? Like when you go and see a really good movie, do you walk out of the picture theater thinking, aren't I fantastic seeing that movie? I'm amazing. No, you don't. You come out thinking like, didn't the director do a great job? When God gives you a vision, it's not about how spiritual you are. It's about, it's probably about how needy you are, in fact. It's about how great He is. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And you'll have visions and dreams and you'll prophesy And we're going to pray right now because I believe God wants to open people's eyes this year to have visions, to have dreams, to hear prophetically from heaven. Come on, why don't you put your hands on your eyes in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, all over this building this year. Would you open our eyes in the name of Jesus? I pray that you would release prophetic, revelatory anointing on every person in this room. You said, Lord, you would pour out your spirit on all flesh. We're all flesh. So, Lord, this year, pour out your spirit. Give us revelation of your will, of your purposes. Give us visions. Give us dreams. Get prophetic revelation flow. Open the scriptures to us like never before. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. I just release that anointing across the room right now. I'm not playing games here, guys. I release an anointing from heaven. And if you've got faith to take it, then may you begin to see this year like you've never seen before, hear like you've never heard before, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, Proverbs uh, Proverbs 20 verse 12 says, Eyes to see and ears to hear are a gift from the Lord. They're like visions and dreams. They're just a gift from the Lord. And uh, so that it make him great. And by the way, Trish, I think these next couple of years for you are going to be years of elevation and promotion and God firming things of his call up in your life and increased authority. You have a lot of authority in the kingdom of God more than you realize. And in the spirit realm, there's, there's, um, there's a fear of you in the spirit realm on the, from the dark side because you're a woman of prayer and you're a woman of the word. I don't know you very well, but that's what I sense. You're a woman of prayer. You're a woman of the word. And when you get those two things, you know, the apostles said, we'll give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And you give yourself to those things, then your authority in the spirit realm just goes up a whole lot. And you exercise it with humility and grace. So just keep being bold for the Lord and be encouraged. Um, you know, you say, well, why are they so interested, this cloud of witnesses, in cheering us on, you know, saying all those things. Well, the answer is found in a few verses before Hebrews eleven thirty nine to 40. It says, all these people 
earned a good reputation because of their faith. He's talking about the cloud of witnesses. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had far better things in mind for us that would also benefit them. For they can't receive the prize at the end of the race until we finish the race. So what is the prize? You say, what's the prize that they're waiting for? What's the prize we're waiting for? Okay, let me tell you what the prize is. It's the return of Jesus to earth. With them, all the people in heaven, they come back with him. The people, the Christians left on earth get transformed into having glorious bodies. They, they get a new resurrection body. See, people in heaven right now, they just only have a spirit body. They don't have a physical body. And when Jesus comes back, they're going to get a glorified physical body and their spirit's going to be reunited. And so they're waiting for that because they want a body because that body is going to be suited to the new earth that Father's going to create. So Jesus comes back, gets rid of all wickedness and unrighteousness out of the earth so that only those that have trusted in him will rule and reign on this new planet earth and we will become the bride of Christ, married to Jesus forever, reigning with him over this new universe with Father bringing his home, heaven, down upon the earth. Read about it in Revelation. And it's going to be glorious because there'll be no war, no suffering, no hunger. There'll be no spending on military equipment. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's going to be the greatest governor the world has ever seen. We're going to rule and reign with him. Paradise is going to be restored. We're going to live forever. There'll be no sickness, no sorrow, no pain, no crying, no death. Hallelujah. None of that stuff. That's, that's the prize, the kingdom coming and fully being fully manifest on earth. And that's what the people in heaven are longing for. It's kind of strange to me. We on earth long for heaven, don't we? Oh, I can't wait till I get to heaven. Just not too quickly, please, Lord, but I just can't wait till I get to heaven. You know what the people in heaven are thinking? Can't wait till I get back to earth. Can't wait till I get back to earth the new earth that he's going to create. And so the reason they're cheering you and me on is they know when the church on earth gets the job done, when the gospel of the kingdom is proclaimed in every nation, when we cross the finish line, they get the prize at last that they've been waiting for all these millennia. That's why they're cheering you and I on and running our race because every runner is important in the kingdom of God. Nobody can sit there thinking, my race isn't important. Oh, my race is not like Pastor Tark or, or somebody else's race. You know, they're doing such great things. No, no, your race may not be like this, but God's not called you to run their race. He's called you to run your race. And if your race is just a little circuit because your life is, is, is like just raising, you know, just doing certain things, that's fine. If somebody else's circuit is a lot bigger and it takes them all around the world, so be it. But you just got to run your race because if everybody runs their race, the finish line will be crossed sooner and Jesus will come back. Hallelujah. And people will get saved and all of that stuff. It's all exciting. So you're not running just for yourself. You're running for some loved ones in heaven that might have gone there already. And we, our sister-in-law, I passed away on Wednesday, and she really, really made her peace with God right at the end of her life. But God showed greater a vision of her in heaven, stunned and amazed at the glories of heaven that she never knew about. 
Wow. Incredible. So she's now part of that cloud of witnesses, getting educated about the kingdom and all of that. I love what Chris Voloton says, a prophet from America, works with Bill Johnson. He said, you know, the reason we run our race and the reason we need to run our race powerfully is because of the watchers. And the watchers are the cloud of witnesses watching from heaven, the angels watching from heaven, how the church runs its race. But we said, not only do we run for the watchers, we run for the waiters, the next generation, the people that don't yet know Jesus, the people that we've got to reach for Jesus. We're running for the watchers, we're running for the waiters. We're running because the cloud of witnesses are cheering us on, and we're running because there are people in your life who desperately need Jesus. Desperately need Jesus. So look out as you run your race this year. And the next thing is lighten the load. Lighten the load. The scripture we read says, let us throw off every weight and sin that easily, so easily entangles. I don't know if you feel like that guy coming into this year, but the Bible says, it's, you know, it would be a foolish thing to run a race with cords tied around our legs. Or, you know, those strap-on weights you sometimes see in gymnasiums. People strap them on and they, they it provides resistance. But to run a long race with weights strapped to you, that would be crazy. You wanna, if you're going to run a long race, you want to be light, don't you? you wanna, and so we throw aside every weight that so easily clings. And, and maybe some of us are more weighty now after the holidays. And uh, I certainly am. I remember Pastor Tark's word before Christmas, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we diet. And I fulfilled that scripture, but I'm not the dieting part yet. I've got to get to that. But anyway, so we've got to throw aside sin that so easily entangles, that slows us down. And it might be that the Holy Spirit, you know, he doesn't work on a hundred things at once, but he'll reveal some areas to our lives that we need to really work and focus on, and he's our helper to help us. And weights are things that maybe are not sin, but they're not good for us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. In other words, something might be lawful, it might be good, it might be not sin, but it still may not be profitable. It might be, for example, a false burden that you feel for someone else, a sense of false responsibility that you want to see them saved or you want to see them, and they're already a Christian, you want to see them running their race well for Jesus. And, you know, here's the story. You can't live your life through them or you can't, yeah, the other way around. You can't live their life for them. Because when you try and start living for somebody, you take on their burden, you take on their responsibility, you got a heavy weight because Jesus says you, your problems are enough for yourself. Now, we're to bear one another's burdens in the sense we pray for one another, we love one another, we help one another, but you can't take the sense of false responsibility on you because that is a weight that will crush you. You can pray, you can support, but you can't live another person's life for them. Or it might be that your time management skills are not so hot and, and life is tough for you because the squandering of time. And we're given time as, you know, God gives us free time to do whatever we want, but let's utilize the time wisely, the Word of God says. Let's, let's maybe prune some things off our lives that, that are weighing us down, that we're just maybe too busy, too many things, doing too much. It's a word to somebody. You're doing too much. And you're tired. 
And God says, come on, get rid of some stuff, say no to some stuff, so that you might begin to run that race with a lighter step. I love this scripture I found in the Word of God just before Christmas, Philippians 2.13 from the New Living Translation. God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey Him and the power to do what pleases Him. Isn't that, does that get your spiritual juices running or is it just me? It's like, I just think that's the most incredible scripture. And uh, I, I just, I've memorized it. I've written it on a little card. It's in my memory verse pack and most mornings I get it out, reading it, saying it to myself because I want it in my memory because I want to be able to declare it over myself. And we, I'm busy praying it for Greta and myself and our children and our grandchildren that, Father, you will work in us this year. And I've been praying it for this church. God, thank you for these people. Work in them this year. Give us the desire to obey you. Wow. Even there, that's a good thing. But if it stopped there, it wouldn't be enough because we also need the power to do what pleases Him. And Spirit of God is with you. You're not called to live this Christian life on your own. That's called religion, trying to do it yourself. You're called into relationship with Jesus and He gives us power to throw aside weights and sins. His Spirit will pinpoint and sometimes it's a battle, but it's a battle worth winning. And I love that because it encourages me, Father, even when sometimes I'm discouraged by my lack of progress, I declare you are working in me. Hallelujah. You are giving me the desire to obey you. You are giving me the power to do what pleases you. And then finally, not only look up, not only lighten the load, but keep your eyes on Jesus is another great key at running a good race in this coming year. The Bible the verse that we read says, run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. There is a race marked out for each person that's unique, that's different. Your race is different to mine. And, uh, but the key to running that unique race is to fix your eyes on Jesus. Give him your attention Focus on him. And it says there that he's the pioneer of our faith. What does that mean? I remember being a young pastor um, in ministering in a little town called Picton in the top of the South Island. And we were in a worship meeting once and I had this picture, this vision came to me. And I just saw Jesus and me. And we were walking together side by side through life. And I felt like we're walking down a path and that's really my life journey. And we were walking and it was such a happy scene. We were together and we were fellowshipping. And then we'd stop. And then Jesus would leave me. He would walk out in front of me 20, 30 meters or so and stop. And I'd be, I'd be left there thinking like, why has he left me? Where are you going, Lord? I like this walking together. And he'd be out here and he'd stop and he was looking back at me, smiling, and he's just beckoning me, come. So I got these sense I needed to join him. And, but I was hesitant because I thought, wow, I, I, don't, I don't know. How do I get from here to there? You're not with me anymore. I don't know how to do this. And I was like, come on. He said, just take some steps of faith. And I began to take some steps of faith. And in the vision, I began to take these, this walk of faith. And finally, I, met, I, I came to where Jesus was. And he seemed so pleased that I joined them. And then we just kept walking again. 
And then he'd do it again. We'd stop and he'd walk out in front of me, turn, beckon me on. And, and so this just kept being repeated. I said, Lord, what does this vision mean? And I got the sense from the Holy Spirit that the, the, this is a pathway of faith. It's what the Christian life should be, a journey of faith. And, you know, Jesus walks with us. And every so often, though, he, because he's the pioneer, what does a pioneer do? What does a scout do? You remember the old wild west of America, the wagon trains? Well, they always had scouts with the wagon trains who would go ahead of the main body of wagons to scout out a pathway in front to make sure it was safe or to know how to get through that mountain range or over those hills or through that river. They would be finding the best place to go. And they would go out and head of the main group and then they would send the signal back, come and join, you know, get here. And they would have to join where the scouts were who had pioneered or trailblazed the path. And in the sense of Jesus being the pioneer of your faith, it means he goes out ahead of you because he's perfect in faith, and then he waits for you to join him at this new and greater level of faith. And you're thinking, I don't know if I like that because you and I, we've become comfortable at our current level. And we're, we're feeling, this is good, I like this, things are going great, and you know, life's a bed of roses, and, and this is good, and I feel your presence, and then suddenly the sense of, where are you, Lord? This challenge is coming, and, and you know, but no challenge surprises Jesus. No problem you go through shocks him. No storm that blows into your life this year is going to surprise God. He knows all about it. He's gone out ahead of you. He's blazed a trail. You can walk to where he is. And I've discovered it takes growing faith to get to a new level. But once you get to it, it doesn't take growing faith anymore. And because the Lord wants to keep growing your faith, there's going to be lots of times where he calls you and I out of our comfort zone to take another step. But the good news is he's gone ahead of you. He's the pioneer that's gone out in front. And he's the perfecter of your faith. By the time you get to heaven, you're going to have perfect faith because that's what a perfecter does. He's going to perfect your faith. Why? Because he knows the thing in all the universe that pleases Father most is faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, Hebrews eleven six 6 says. For anyone who comes near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. I think God is calling each of us to go beyond where we are this year. Not just any old place, but the place or places that Jesus has marked out for us Certainly calling this church to another level this year of influence and impact for the kingdom of God because the Lord will not rest till the full number of the Gentiles have come into the kingdom then the end will come. God's not willing that any perish but that all will have everlasting life and your race really matters because somebody's going to be impacted by how you run your life. Not just yourself but the cloud of witnesses in heaven and people on earth who are watching you run your race. And so this year we need to join Jesus at that new level. We need to throw off the weights that have slowed us down, get rid of some of the sins that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about. 
that are hindering our race. And we need to hear the cheers from heaven that are going up, urging us on. Keep running your race. Take courage. Be strong. God loves you. Run your race. Focus your attention on the prize. You know, there was a great uh, Dutch Christian called Corrie ten Boom. She's with the Lord now. But during World War II, her and her family um, hid Jews from the Nazis who were rounding uh, Jews up all over Europe to put them in concentration camps, killed many of them, six million. And uh, they did that for a number of years. Then, then somebody informed the authorities of what they were doing, and the, um, the Nazis arrested her and her family threw them in a concentration camp. And I think she was the only family member to survive. And by a, a, a miracle of a clerical error, she was released from the concentration camp. And then she went on to have a worldwide ministry of uh, going all over the world, speaking about loving your enemies and forgiving and reconciliation. Had a powerful ministry. Some of you might have seen the movie, The Hiding Place, which is her life story. But she had this saying, and I think it's a great saying for 2018, for, for running our race, she had this saying. She said, you know, when I look at the world, I get distressed. When I look at myself, I get depressed. But when I look at Jesus, I find rest. And you and I can't afford this year. You know, there's good and bad stuff happening out in the world. And you know, a lot of the bad stuff can distress us as Christians because we, we feel the weight of it. We feel the grief of unrighteousness. We feel the grief of wickedness and, that is in the earth. We, we feel the sadness of, of things that are happening that are immoral and just not right. And, and you know, that can distress us. And, or we look at ourselves and say, oh, I've got so much work still to do, Lord. And, you know, so much stuff that needs to happen in my life. And you can get discouraged, especially when you've got an adversary called the devil who's the accuser and the condemner loving to point out all our faults, and we get so discouraged. But look, I tell you what, when you look up to Jesus, that's when you find rest. And you and I will never overcome sin by focusing on, oh, I've got to overcome that. I've got to beat that. No, no, you've got to look away from that and look to Him because when you fix your eyes on Jesus, those things just dissolve. Those things just drop off because the Bible says sin will not have dominion over you since you're not under law but you're under grace. It says if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things are passing away. Behold, he's making all things new. Amen. Look up. Lighten the load. Fix your eyes on Jesus that we might run a good race in 2018. That we might run in preparation for the years that are ahead of us that are going to be some of the greatest in history for the kingdom of God on earth. But it's going to take everybody. And you can't sit there thinking, like, well, I'm just little old me. Leave me alone in my peaceful domain. No, no, you're not little old you. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You matter to God. He has a plan for you. He wants to do things through you. He wants you to run a good race so that when you cross the finish line like the apostle Paul, you can say, I ran a good race. I fought a good fight. And you can hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Hey, we're going to pray into that, and if the music team would like to come, and, but I want to just talk to you for a minute before we sing something. Just, you know, you may not have connected with Jesus yet in your life. He is what the Bible calls a Savior. A Savior saves us from things. And what Jesus came to save us from was sin, and through sin, death, not only physical death, but eternal death in hell. And he hung on a cross 
that our sins could be forgiven so that you and I could go free. And there are many pathways and races that people can run on planet Earth. But you know what? There's only one race worth running, and that's the race that Jesus has marked out for you and me. And when you become a child of God, you begin to walk on your path. You begin to run your race. Jesus put it like this. He said, there is a broad, wide way that many travel on that leads to destruction. He said, but there's a narrow way because it's not popular. It's not what the world thinks is so great. It's a narrow way, but it leads to eternal life. Proverbs puts it like this. There's a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. Many people are running many races around planet Earth today. And a lot of those races they're running, they're running for themselves. They're running for this reason or that reason. Maybe they're running because they feel pressure from somebody else. But there's only one race worth running. That's the race that heaven has marked out for you. And you'll never begin to run that race till you know the one that is running with you. His name is Jesus. The Bible says, as many that receive him, who believe in him, <clears throat> excuse me, he gives them power to become children of God. And I would love to pray for anyone here today that you've never given your life to Jesus. And today, at the beginning of this year, is a great time to do that, to ask him to forgive you, ask him to come into your life, make you a new person on the inside. Maybe you once did that and, and you know you need to come back to God today. And I believe that uh, the Lord wants to restore people. You might have been far away from God for a long time, but today is your day to return. You know there's no sin He can't forgive. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is a gracious Savior. He's a wonderful Savior. He loves you passionately, but he wants you in his kingdom, and he wants you running the race he's marked out for you. When you yield your life to Jesus, you begin to run that race. It has a good ending. It has a great ending. The race is going to be a great race. The ending is going to be a great ending. And so if we can all just close our eyes to help us pray and concentrate. If you know you need to give your life to Jesus today or come back to him I'm going to simply ask you to raise your hand as an indication. You're saying, yeah, David, I need Jesus in my life, or I need to come back to him. Would you just quickly raise your hand as I scan the room? I'll acknowledge it. Is there someone you're saying, yes, I need Jesus in my life? Just quickly raise your hand, or I need to come back to him. Just raise your hand anywhere in the room. Just, just raise it up high. I'll acknowledge it, and I'll see it, and then you'll be able to put it down. Is there someone saying, yeah, I need him in my life? Don't let fear stop you. You know, sometimes fear from the enemy will stop you saying, oh, I don't know if I want to do this and what am I getting into or what will people think? It doesn't matter what they think. It's what God thinks that really matters. If that's you, overcome any fear right now. Just quickly throw your hand in the air saying, yeah, I need Jesus in my life or I need to come back to him. Is there someone right now? Just quickly raise your hand as I look around the room. I'm just looking around the bottom at the moment. Just quickly raise your hand. If that's you. Wave it at me if I haven't seen you. I'm looking up in the balcony now. Is there anyone there? You're saying, yeah, I need Jesus in my life. Just quickly raise your hand right now. Okay, I'm not seeing anybody. I'm going to assume we may all be believers. I hope that's true. But, uh, you know, I, want, I just want to encourage you and challenge you. If that is not the case, you're just still hesitant, 
And I'm just going to wait another 20 seconds for you to make that decision because I feel like there might be wrestling going on. And, you know, when you yield to God, when you give in to God, when you let God win, your whole life begins to be transformed. Just one last scan of the room. If that's you, just quickly raise your hand and you're saying, yeah, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Just quickly. Yeah, God bless you. Right down the back. Thank you. (coughs) Is there someone else? Sometimes it just takes one person to start it off. Is there someone else? You're saying, yeah, I need him. I need him in my life. I need to come back to him. Just quickly raise your hand. Just quickly raise your hand. I'll see it. Then you can put it down. All right, I don't see anybody else. Let's stand, church. We're going to all pray that prayer together. And especially the person that raised their hand, would you pray this prayer and mean it with all your heart? Here we go. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me today for all my sins. I pray, Lord, that you will come into my life. I now open the door of my heart and receive you. I turn from my sins and I turn to you. Believe you died on a cross for me. You rose again from the dead. Thank you, Jesus. Give me power to live for you for the rest of my life. Amen. Amen.